And I'm not even just saying this because I'm back on your podcast, but it was truly so nice whenever any of your listeners would come up to me and say hello. It really did like... It made me feel so good just being able to talk to people or that that was the gateway into a conversation too. Another episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. As you can tell, because you're hearing my voice instead of Brian's, Brian is not joining me today. Uh, He's actually under the weather, so he's unable to join this recording today. But I am so lucky because I have with me a repeat guest, but not just like a repeat guest. This is this guest is like a little, I'll call her a mini celebrity. um, Because on Disney Cruise Line, she was a entertainment cast member. And following our show, and I'm sure she got this a lot even before our show, but following our show, a lot of our fans would come up to her on the on the ship and tell her they had heard her on the DCL Duo podcast and they were so excited to meet her. So I want to welcome back to the show, Rebecca. Welcome. Thank you so much, Sam. And to all your listeners, I love you guys so much. You made me feel like a celebrity and made me look really cool in front of my in front of my coworkers. So thank you for that. Oh, we love that. Back. Yeah. Well, we're so happy to have you back. As I said, I'm sorry, Brian is not able to join us. He really wanted to chat with you. Um, he also wanted to chastise you for stealing our rapid fire round before the 25th anniversary fireworks. You know, it's <laughs> It's rough out there, Sam, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, losing an hour of sleep each day. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But no, I, I love your rapid fire questions. <laughs> I love it. Well, we love it. We are so flattered um, and actually really excited to hear that anything from our show was replicated on Disney Cruise Line whatsoever. Um, and but, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you again, or we wanted to have you back now that you have you went on your second contract with Disney Cruise Line and you got to do the European season, which I know is something you were looking forward to going back on the dream, but this time getting to go to Europe. But before we do that, I want to let folks know what's going on or let, why don't we let folks know what's going on in your life like right now, because you're home, you finished your contract, and you're not going back to Disney Cruise Line. But tell us where you will be going. Yes, I am not going back to Disney Cruise Line. If you talk to me at all during the Europe season, this I talked about this a lot. So this is definitely the move I wanted to make. But in Europe, I was just having so much fun in these ports. It was just so amazing to be out in the world, but still have that Disney magic at my back. Like it wasn't just a trip I was taking on my own. And I've wanted to work for them for a while. So I'll be switching over to the Adventures by Disney team as an adventure guide. Oh, I love it. We are so excited. As you know, Rebecca, and as our audience knows, we just got back from our very first Adventures by Disney adventure. And we did a river cruise on the Danube. And the thing that we were huge fans of, which was the adventure guides. I mean, they are amazing. I think they are quite similar in, um, it's a quite similar role to Disney Cruise Line Entertainment 
except plus, right? You are sort of entertaining the guests, but you are also part of their sort of tour guide team. You are operations, logistics. You are basically everything all in one to all of the all of the guests on your adventure. So huge role, huge congratulations to you. We're so excited and we can't wait to hear what's going on and where you are in the world once you start um, once you start actually doing the the tours. I know you're getting ready to go to training. So, yeah. So why don't we we talk though about uh, your last contract? Because I feel like that's the thing. You know, we have we want to update folks on how things went in Europe on the dream. It was your it was the dreams first time uh, overseas to to the European market. Obviously, the magic had been going uh, there for many, many years. And we know there were some logistical challenges. Um, but we want to know, like, from the cast perspective, like, what were some of the uh, difficult things about whether it was the the crossing or arriving in Europe? But what were some of the challenges you guys faced? Yeah, so I have so many thoughts. But my contract started two cruises before the crossing. So I lucked out really. Like I really had the ideal timing. I got over four months in Europe and like I left with only two cruises left. One of them was a repeat of what we had already done. And one of them was the UK, which is a place I'd most recently traveled on my own. So other than that, I got all of the ports. I think it ended up being like 40 of them um, by the time I left. So I saw a lot, a lot of things and we all learned a lot too. I think there was just so much like, it wasn't new to Disney Cruise Line. The Magic's been doing it for years, but the Dream is a very different ship from the Magic. Not only is it almost like twice the size physically with cast and with guests and all of that, but I think that was a huge challenge. And like, I think there was a lot of expectations for things to stay the exact same and they just weren't going to be the exact same, but we had a lot of fun too. Like I loved the transatlantic. I thought it was so much. It was so great to be a part of that. Everyone was so excited. Like if you talk to like any crew member, they had been waiting for this for a year because it had been a little over a year um, that they announced that we were going to Europe. So there had been people who had been working on the dream for almost like a decade who had just been doing the Nassau Castaway Express. Wow. Excited to go to a new place. So there was so much excitement. Um, The transatlantic was awesome. It was very hard with the time change. I imagine it was a lot more fun. But this one, it was very hard. I won't lie. Like losing an hour of sleep almost every night. Oh, wow. it was hard. It got to like sea day six and we're like, all right, <laughs> I'm kind of over it. But the things that we were doing were really fun, but the time change was really hard. Um, but usually they kept it consistent. Like every morning I did art of the theme show into helping with the morning show, which people loved. They oh loved yeah, it. they did the live Not- morning show, right? Yeah, it definitely, Lee was the cruise director at the time and he's amazing. It definitely got to his head. And I would like say that to his face, (laughs) he was getting too confident. He was (laughs) acting like he was Jimmy Fallon and like people treated him like that, that he was like a late night TV show. He was a celebrity. (laughs) And they were really funny. Like it was funny, but I think it got to their head a little bit too much. (laughs) 
<laughs> but that was something people loved. Um, we had some Imagineers as well talking about Disney history. So whenever I could go see that, I would. And just all of the entertainment that the cruise staff team does. We were kind of running that ship at a certain point, too. The character oh, yeah. was all over the place. But like six days at sea, cruise staff is doing all of those events. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, you're doing all these different trivias, all these different game shows, all of these different like you know, obviously meet and greets for the, for the uh, character and the character handlers, like deck parties. I mean, it's, it's a ton and you keep losing an hour of sleep every night or every other night. Oh my goodness. Exactly. I lucked out. I was on the morning shift. Like my manager did a good job of you were either up early ending around dinner time or sleeping in, but going until late night in evolution, that kind Mm -hmm. of situation. So that helped, but no, it was it was busy. Um, it, it was, but it was still really really fun. And then we were just so excited to get to our first port too. Yeah, like the transatlantic was just the very first thing that we were excited for. Um, so seeing land and going out and exploring for the first time, everyone was just so so excited. But it was really cool to be a part of. I'd done a transatlantic when I was a kid. I was like eight or nine, and I remember having a very good time. But it was cool to do it as a crew member for sure. Definitely a bucket list cruise to work. Oh my goodness. I imagine so. Um, I would love to hear some of your favorite, you know, ports that you got to visit while you were over in Europe. Obviously the transatlantic itself is, is a fantastic itinerary, but then you've got all these fantastic itineraries throughout, you know, you've got some, uh, stuff out of Southampton. You've got some stuff out of Barcelona. You've got some med cruises. You've got Iceland, you've got Norway. It's like, it's just every, there's so many bucket list cruises on there. So what would, what would you say? Actually, let's start with itinerary. What would you say of all of the cruises that you did, what individual itinerary was your favorite and why? I think my favorite was, some of them blur together a little bit, but I'm pretty sure this all existed as one itinerary, is out of Copenhagen. And it was the one that hit Oslo, Fredericia, Stockholm. I'm forgetting a big one for sure. Um, But like that Northern European collection. Amsterdam as well. There is one that included Amsterdam. That was my favorite one. Yeah. The one that has Copenhagen, Oslo, Amsterdam, and Stockholm. Oh, amazing. Um, But what I learned a lot is that I think there's some places that one of the best ways to visit them is on a cruise. And I think there's a lot of places that are much better just to go and actually spend time in these cities, either on your own as part of something like an ABD trip, something like that. But just where with the cruise, it's like dangling in front of you and you just can't see it fully. But yeah, I loved all of the Northern European ports. Some of my favorites are there. Like I know a trip I'm planning for myself just as a vacation, not connected to a cruise. I want to go back to Copenhagen and Oslo because I loved those so, so much and did not have enough time for either of those two cities and just the nature that surrounds both of them. That was my favorite part about Oslo. It's a fascinating city. So many young people, so much like culture and fashion and all of that. But then you could take a boat ride and spend 15 minutes and be in the middle of a fjord. Like Oslo's in one of my favorite places. And then Copenhagen, like one 
So for Copenhagen, for some reason, they didn't let crew get off the ship until every guest had left. No idea why. No other port made us do that. And it was one of our embark ports. So we had to wait until like 1030 or 11 to leave. But as soon as they let us off, my friend and I rented bikes from a bike stand that was across the street from the port and rode all the way into the middle of the city and then explored a little bit and rode back. Like it was, it was just, it's a really special place for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I loved Northern, I love Northern Europe, but I think my possible all time favorite port, cause we went there so much and people hate on it a little bit, but I loved Naples in Italy. Oh, yeah. I think if you plan it well, it can be like the best port for sure. The actual city of Naples is whatever. I will say I had some of the best pizza I've ever had. Well, ever. The home of pizza. Oh, yeah. And you can stumble upon any place and it's going to be a great margarita pizza as it is the birthplace of margarita pizza. But there was this one restaurant, I'm forgetting what it's called, but if you look up like best pizza in Naples, it is that. It was so good. But with Naples, and Naples is on almost all of the Mediterranean sand. So if you're planning a Mediterranean sailing, you'll go to Naples. Naples, we dock within like a five-minute walk of a ferry station that has all of the ferries to Capri and Sorrento and Positano as well. So it's a good gateway to that whole part of Italy. And I remember one of the first places I went like fully on my own when I was just having a super bad day, I told my manager, I was like, I need a break. (laughs) So he gave me a very generous five-hour break. And I went to... Capri and just took a boat ride around the whole island. I got sandals made to my feet. Like it was just a really special and easy to do excursion on my own. But I did an excursion with Port Adventures as well in Naples that went, and it's a very popular one. It goes to Capri, Sorrento, and Pompeii. Oh, wow. Amazing as well. It was fast, but it was amazing to see three really cool places in one day. Yeah. So I that sounds awesome. Now, did you get to do when you were on, you know, when you were in Europe for the season, did you get to do a lot of port adventures or are you, I don't want to say stuck on the ship, but stuck <laughs> on the ship, you know, of yeah. most of the port days? Yeah. Um, our team had a very special partnership with port adventures. And I think this is actually where I shined the most in my job was for we did dispatch as we call it. So that's sending out all of the port adventures. And for some ports, it was over 2000 people going on a port adventure, usually within three or four hours of each other. So we have to get everyone checked in and everyone on those were a bus, a boat, wherever they're going. So that is the crew staff team checking people in. And then we give a little spiel and tell them whatever they need to know. So it was a huge part of our job. Like most days looked like starting at six or seven in the morning doing Port Adventures dispatch. You have a little bit of a break depending on the day. And then you come back at night for regular activities once we get sailing. So so yeah, our team had a very special relationship with Port Adventures. And since we were in Europe and some of these ports we only go to like three or four times a year, they would often send either crew staff, people, sometimes youth activities, uh, photography went a lot. So did merchandise. They would send us on port adventures and it would count towards our hours as well. So we were literally getting paid to go on them. It was really awesome. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but we we were just, we didn't know anything or we didn't really have a full responsibility with leading the tour because it's all done by 
the third parties that we work with. So we just got to like talk to guests, enjoy, take pictures, like all of that kind of stuff. So I did that like five or six times. Oh, and it wow. was really, really cool. Yeah. So a you get to be like a quasi guest slash helper, right? Like you're not leading the tour, but you're there if like a guest needs some kind of, you know, assistance or asks a question, but you're also getting getting to enjoy the tour yourself. That's yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It was, it was cool. And if you played your cards right, if you got on a long enough port adventure, that would be your whole day of work, which was really nice. <laughs> so when you came back, you wouldn't have to do like the nighttime activities or anything. Yeah, <laughs> that was really cool. But it was there was one day where I did I did the long one in Naples. I think it was like a nine or 10 hour port adventure. And then I came back and hosted the fireworks show at night. So like sometimes that's just how the cards fall as well. <laughs> that sounds exhausting. But yeah, that was I that was a very difficult day. It had a hot tub break in the middle of it. Like once I got back and before I hosted the show, my friend and I sat in the hot tub for like an hour, which helps. But yeah, so it's not it's not always like that. But very cool to have those two very different experiences in one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it sounds like, um, you know, from other folks that we've talked to and, you know, had on the show that there were some new things that were introduced on the ship for the European season, the dream specifically. Obviously, we know that uh, we had Animation Magic and Crush both on the dream, which hadn't happened before. There was that new color spin deck show right instead of the frozen deck show is that right it is right yes no no frozen because we're not magic that was the main thought behind it yeah so do you like how did that go because my impression is that people were a little one disappointed that frozen deck party didn't happen and were kind of meh about the color spin nobody thought it was bad but it was just like it was just like another character dance party. But I, I'm curious from your perspective, how did those land with the guests or how did those sort of decisions land with the guests? Yeah. So, so for Frozen specifically, I see the logic behind it a little bit. I just don't think since there was no communication around it, I think that's what led to the disappointment. But like, it's an old show. Like it's an old... And the Frozen deck party, I haven't done it or seen it in person. It's not like that's anything to like stuff either you know so i I'm, see this i'm with you rebecca it's it's cute but it's not like a ama- we've only seen it once when we, we saw it in norway when we sailed on the magic the season before you were in europe and it was cute but i thought it was going to be better than it was i like i like the i like the sail away party better as far as deck parties go yeah so i think it was just that nothing was communicated and like sometimes there would be pirate nights and sometimes there wouldn't so that was weird And then we did like a pirate night light where like we would do some, but not all of it. So like, I think just weird, weird decisions followed by no communication, but like the quality of entertainment was still there. It was just like, people didn't really know what was going on. So I thought that was weird. Like, I think that I'm a, my other major in school was public relations. I think that would have been a very quick, like an email to fix that. But anyway, I worked on color spin as well. So actually to go back a little bit, The super fun thing that happened, it was not fun, but they had (laughs) the Shoreside team because for entertainment with Disney Cruise Line, there is Shoreside. Those are the people who usually work and live in Florida. They're writing scripts, they're workshopping choreography, they're directing and designing these shows. And then there is the shipboard team who is maintaining these shows, doing schedules and being our managers. So they work separately, but then sometimes Shoreside will come on for a few weeks 
install a bunch of new shows, and then they will leave. So whoever scheduled this, I, I, I have some words for them, but they had Shoreside come on the day the transatlantic started. So all throughout the first four weeks of Europe, we were having rehearsals and we learned 13 new shows as compared to like the already 30 to 40 we were doing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So our workload wasn't for the hosts. Mostly our workload was increasing so much. But the whole time everyone was like, Oh, go explore Europe. Like, like so I can't see the world. Like you have a rehearsal for four hours, but, and then you have a two hour break, but go explore Europe. You're going to love it. It was like a huge juxtaposition, but, and our workload increased so much. And like there, there's a very big, like, I don't know, they, they don't like to acknowledge when stuff sucks. Cause then it can just lead to a snowballing and a possible mutiny. Cause it is still a ship, but <laughs> mutiny of the cruise. Entertainment's going to take over the, the engine room. <laughs> exactly. And make us stay in, in Naples. So we can't leave. No, but I don't. Yeah. So that was all going on. And the, all the things you said were part of it. 25th anniversary was part of it. Animation magic, which many people don't know. I won't ruin the magic fully, but your crew staff team is running that even in animator palette. The color spin dance party was part of that. We probably had like five-ish shows in the kids club that were part of that. Oh, so a lot okay. of new stuff got added. Most of it happened during the transatlantic. We had rehearsals for it and would do tests and all of that. But with Color Spin, I was so excited for it. And it's such a great premise, but it doesn't replace a full themed night. It is just an individual show. It doesn't come with the menu in the restaurants or like other satellite shows before it. So it's just, I think it's a great show. And I think it's one of the more energetic and like thought, like more, I don't know, it feels, it reminded me of Disneyland. Like I think a lot of our shows feel very Disney World. They've been going on for 10 years. We love them. Like they're so fun. They're classic and they're great. But it's like the festival of fantasy versus like magic happens, you know, like it's those two feelings where they're two great parades, but like magic happens just is so fresh, but it also has all that nostalgia and it's so fun. So that's what Color Spin felt like. Um, and I did the workshop for it. So I was like the first host to do it. And I did like the voice recordings for it. And I worked on it. So, so much. Ultimately got taken off of it, which was a huge bummer. We um, did? I didn't hear that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was actually really bad. <laughs> and like, <laughs> it was just one of those moments of like, huh, you can work really hard at something and ultimately it's not really up to you or like not, and not that it doesn't matter, but in that situation, it did not. So I learned a lot from that. Definitely changed my my just perspective a little bit on things. But but yeah, so they ended up having I did it a couple times, but it just it was just changing. It's the shore side shipboard, just butting heads and and all of that. But yeah, when you're working for cruise line, you just have to be able to go with anything they throw at you. And I'm not good at that. So that's why (laughs) part of my decision making there. But but yeah, anyway, I think it is a great show. 
And they wanted it to be such like a dance party, which is fun, but it ended up just being the host kind of yelling at you. And I wasn't as good at that because I didn't think it made sense. And then yeah. they took it. <laughs> well, I will tell you the feedback that we got from folks having not, of course, to experience it ourselves. So if, you know, folks who are listening, you can take this with a grain of salt. Like this is not my personal opinion or Brian's personal opinion. You know, people said that the one of the misses to them seemed to be it was very kid geared, but it was at 10 o'clock at night. So a lot of the kid on on nights that you were either in, you know, transatlantic or you were at ports for very, very long days, as you mentioned, you know, some of these excursions are nine hours, 10 hours, and they start off in early in the morning, or the meeting time is early in the morning. So having a 10 o'clock at night dance party that's geared to kids is a little rough, right? And so the yeah, so I know like a lot of adults that you know, stayed up for it and went to it. And they were like, this is cute, but it's for kids. And I'm just going to go to sleep or go day or I'm going to go down to uh, evolutions and go watch match your mate or whatever else was going on there. So no, and it's, it's honestly kind of a bummer that like it got that people thought it was for kids because the actual show itself is not, it was inspired by like the director for it went to a non Disney sponsored dance party in a club, like an 18 plus club in some city where they were playing Disney rave music and the people loved it. Oh, wow. And he saw that and said, oh my gosh, that's awesome. We should do something like that. So they wanted, that was the inspiration for it. And it uses mostly 90s Disney music. It's the interesting. It's Hercules and... They oh, I, bet I would have loved it. Oh, and yeah, you're telling, a, telling me the I music. I feel like I would love it. that. Like, yeah, it's a great show, but they wanted it to be a dance party because they have it in their mind that dance parties are very popular. But if if they took out the parts where the hosts were encouraging people to dance uh, continuously throughout it and you could just sit and watch it, it's a great show. And I don't think it is meant to come across as for kids because it's really not. The target audience is that like millennial Disney lover. Right, right. So, yeah, so younger Disney adult, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It was an experiment and I think they learned a lot from it and I hope they keep moving in that direction and just like flush it out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, that makes total sense to me. What were some of the the highlights of like activities that you got to participate in, you know, throughout the, the season, whether new or old or what have you? Yeah. So I was part of, we alluded to this earlier. I was the main host for the 25th anniversary fireworks on the dream. Did all of that, like every performance of it. Um, For the first three, it was a different show each time, which was fun. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Like, well, can you tell us what changed? Because I wouldn't know, obviously. We, I mean, we did see it, um, but we saw it, I want to say later in the season. Actually, we saw it in the middle of the season at the beginning of August, and then we saw it again um, on The Wish first, and then we saw it again on The uh, Magic. But we only had the fireworks on The Magic. We didn't get the fireworks on The Wish because of the itinerary. Yeah, but I think it was it was one of those shows, and each ship kind of had this increase in shows. Ours just happened to be at the Transatlantic. I think the magic was during their dry dock a couple weeks before us. So like all of the shows were doing that and rolling out all of these new shows. And that one was just the most open-ended. So I think every ship kind of adapted it to make it work. So I can only speak for the dream. The first 15 minutes of it in the first iteration were meant to be interviews. And that's where that question, me asking that question came from um, because they were, it was unscripted. 
It was supposed to be like, we had done it for New Year's Eve and it was wildly successful where we like interviewed people in the crowd as we were waiting till midnight, asking them cute questions. And they saw themselves on Funnel Vision. Like it was so much fun. Yeah, it's like Golden Mickey's. It's like the red carpet. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. So it was supposed to be that, but... It was like weird to have that be the first 15 minutes of the show. And then that eventually changed to like, that wasn't the actual show, but it was the 15 minutes before. So like, it, that's, it shifted that. But we would pick families from the audience and bring them up on stage and ask them questions. So like my teammate and I who were doing it at the beginning had to like come up with all of these questions and fill these 15 minutes. So that was definitely a challenge, but 15 minutes is a long period of time. People don't realize this. Like if you're having to interview somebody for 15 minutes or interview multiple people over the course that that's a long, that's a long time. It is. Yeah. It was definitely a challenge, but I will say it contributed to how I feel now. Like this job has been huge for me of like how much I've grown as a public speaker, like having to do stuff like that daily. I know I could go in front of any group of people and say anything that needs to be said. And I don't think there's many jobs that could prepare you for that on this scale. Oh yeah. Um, another one happened during Marvel too, that I use this as an example all the time for uh, Marvel Day at Sea, where they would, they would do Heroes Unite, the big deck oh, show. Yeah. And then we would usually work the accessible zone during that. So anyone who's either like using a wheelchair or has any other needs that require a zoned off space would come to us. So crew staff does that. And during the Marvel show, it's 4,000 people on that deck trying to see it. So it was a very just like chaotic situation. So we'd go from like running the wheelchair section or the accessible zone rather. And then they would throw a host on stage after all of the Marvel characters had left to like hype the crowd up, tell them what's coming next. And like, that was often my job after Heroes Unite as well. So even though it was so brief, but like unscripted, having to go up there and tell them whatever's happening next in the day and then run back and keep manning the accessible zone, like moving stanchions and moving chairs. Oh my goodness. To sum up the crew staff job um, of all doing all of the grunt work, but then also going up on stage and talking in front of thousands of people. But yeah, the fireworks, I don't know, it was cool. And I got to count down. So this is the back to the no more Marvel back to the 25th fireworks. But I got to like count down the fireworks and then oh fun shot off from the ship. So I could say three, two, one and fireworks would go. That was really, really cool. So it was it was cool to be part of a new show, but it comes with this growing pains for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. What what were what would you say were your favorite things about being now that you're now that you've left, I mean, it's you didn't quit, you just didn't re up your contract. But now that you've left, what would you say your favorite things about being part of Cruise Entertainment staff were? And then maybe one of your least favorite things. I will say my two favorite things, especially after being able to be on the dream in Europe, I went to like 13 countries in the span of one summer, 40 different cities. There's no other way you could do that and not have to pay travel or a hotel once. So like that is insane. So being able to do that was so unique and so special. And even if we did only have two hours off in a city, that's it was still way better than not having done that at all. So I am like so grateful for that experience and being able to travel so much. And I traveled a lot when I was younger with my family. We would travel for months at a time as well um, back when I was really young. So like I knew that was always a part of me, but it felt like I got to re-up that a little bit. And like as an adult, be able to get an intense level of travel 
it definitely helped for moving to Adventures by Disney. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was something I will be forever grateful for. And it's such a special time uh, for sure. And I got to visit so many places. And the other big one is lifelong friends. Like I have people on that ship that are, that are still there that I know I will be friends with for the rest of my life. And we did a big trip over their most recent vacations. And I like drove up and visited my friend who lives in Canada and our friends from the UK came as well. And then my friend from California was able to fly and we were all able just to meet and like be with each other off the ship um, and travel together too. And that was really special. And I just know there's like more years more of that to come. Like I do really have some lifelong friends that I got from working for Disney Cruise Line and who are from all over the world, which is so cool. Yeah. Now you can go visit them and crash on their couches too when you travel. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it is kind of weird that I've, I was gone for like, I had worked for Cruise Line for like a year and a half. So now coming back to Washington, DC, where I will, which will be my home base as I move into Adventures by Disney here. It's like, oh, I don't have as many friends here because all of my friends are all over the place. Oh yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. a weird transition to come back to like home, but your friends are all, yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, cool. So definitely like cool to have friends all over the place. But I'm like, okay, can you guys come here now? <laughs> right. And you all moved to DC. So I have all my friends near me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, very grateful to have had that. And just like the confidence that comes with it too is insane. Like I was pretty confident before I started this job. But just knowing that you can go on stage and make it work because you kind of have to is is really empowering and very special, I think. Because I, I went from not knowing anything to almost doing all of the shows that the dream has to offer. Like I was able to do like the evolution host. So I was an adult host. I didn't do it as much my Europe contract because it's a lot of late nights. But I had done it. So like I've hosted Match Your Mate. I've done all of that. And being able to work with kids like... I have such a newfound appreciation for kids in general. And I just think that they are so amazing. And I loved being in the kids clubs, even mm -hmm. if I had to get up space goo off of the floor. <laughs> the goo is the worst. Oh. The goo is the worst. But, <laughs> but like I, I learned it is a so really different. It's a different skill set, though, I think. Like, I don't I don't know how you feel about this, but like I, I was a camp counselor years and years ago as people probably I think people would probably when they people who know me would be like, yeah, that that makes sense. Um, but working with kids is very different and entertaining kids is very different than entertaining adults, obviously. And so you you got these, you know, you got to sort of work on both of those different skill sets. Yeah. yeah. Which was really cool. Like we would literally run from hosting an adult only trivia to then going upstairs and doing space school. Like it, it, it was really cool to have so many different things squished into one day. But yeah, I loved, loved working with the kids. And I'm, I'm excited to do that more because I know that's why a lot of people feel comfortable choosing Adventures by Disney is because we like the kids are always like top of mind and valued as individual humans, not just like extensions of their adults, which I feel like it's so easy to just lose consideration for a kid because, oh, they're a kid. But that is never true. It is they, they have just as big of thoughts and feelings as we do. And that often gets discounted. But I'm, I, I'd love that Disney never does that. 
Honestly, I think you will have a great time with Adventures by Disney because there is that, right? You get to interact so much with the adults, but you also get to interact so much with the junior adventurers, um, the kids, the 12 and under group. And and one of our favorite parts of Adventures by Disney, like I mentioned, was the adventure guides. But I would say even more specifically was the way that the guides would interact with Nathan, the way that they would, particularly um, our guides, Danny and Shannon, both who are both of whom are from California. So shout out to Danny and Shannon if you're listening. But both of them really interacted with Nathan quite a bit more. That I mean, they interacted with us also. But like, uh, we had five guides, right? Because it's a river cruise, so it's a larger group than m- the land-based ABDs. And yeah, the way they would just interact with Nathan and really get to know him and ask him questions. And it, it was just lovely. And I think that's an amazing skill set that obviously you've you know, gotten to practice and I'm sure gotten amazing um, at uh, with uh, with Disney Cruise Line. Hey, DCL Duo fans, you know, we get the question all the time, should I use a travel agent to book my next Disney cruise or should I just book with Disney directly? And I'm going to tell you, if you have that question in the back of your mind right now, you should stop what you're doing and head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo. The folks over at My Path Unwinding provide an amazing service. They are so knowledgeable and so friendly. We rely on them ourselves to book our family vacations and they provide an amazing service. And the best part is you don't pay anything extra for it. Disney, other tour providers, and other cruise lines have built the cost of their commission into their pricing. So if you're booking directly, you are just paying that money back to the provider when you could be spending it on the kind of service you would get from My Path Unwinding Travel. You've heard from their agents on our show. They are so knowledgeable, so giving of their time. They know so much about Disney Cruise Line, Sailing Concierge, other cruise lines, other all-inclusive vacations and adventures by Disney that if you have a vacation in mind, they are the ones to book it for you. So again, head over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL duo so they know we sent you their way thanks my path unwinding for sponsoring the show and with that back to our episode what would you say was maybe your least favorite thing or one of we'll just do one because we don't want we want to keep this mo- you know mostly positive but of course everybody has parts of their job that they don't like um or just annoying what would you say was maybe one or two parts of your job that if you could sort of leave behind or you're excited frankly to actually be leaving behind so the hardest part about working on a ship is that as soon as you are missing something by being there like missing something back home or like I had both of my parents with extreme health issues that developed during my second contract. Um, So then going back for my third for Europe was extremely difficult and like a very hard decision to make. Like my mom was in the hospital most of my contract, but had the support she needed for sure. Yeah. So like she had the support she needed for sure. And me being there wouldn't really have done anything. If, if anything, it would have just made her like feel bad that I was giving up on Europe and like my dream job and all of that. But as soon as there is something else that you're missing by being on the ship, it becomes exponentially harder. Like a little thing that you could have just brushed off as like, oh, whatever, or you uh, uh, rolling with the punches, like being able to roll with the punches becomes so much harder once you're like, why am I here? Like if I'm missing this at home. So that is definitely the hardest part. And that was a huge reason why I left. Like it was very hard being away from my family. And luckily they're both fine now. (laughs) Both of them 
are good now. Um, so well, and you that, have to put on that happy face all the time when you're entertainment staff. I mean, you have a public facing role as a as an entertainment staff member. So you're constantly having to be on in a, I'm going to call it a theatrical way, but you know what I mean? Being like engaging and energetic. And I mean, the cruise staff, the entertainment staff is like the most energetic bunch, I think, on the ship, other than maybe the the folks in characters uh, in there. Because I don't know how, I mean, they got to hug everyone. They got to, they got to be really energetic and like, they get you more know, time off. don't worry about yeah, it. I believe it. I believe it. Um, but at least they can, their faces can be hidden too, right? If they're in, depending upon what role they're playing. But yeah, I mean, you've got to be on so much. And so if you're dealing with stresses at home and missing your family, I bet that becomes even harder to sort of keep that happy face on all the time. It it, it does. But also like you just get so into like a mode and I loved the job. Like if I could do that job and somehow live in DC and have a day off a week or like if I like I love 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 the job so it wasn't even that like I enjoyed all of the things I did I even I liked checking put people in for port adventures I liked like all of the parts of that job so like it wasn't like it was ever something I didn't want to do it's just the whole lifestyle that comes with it it's like when you go to the through mess and there's like nothing that sounds good and you can't just like uber eat something (laughs) no right uber eats doesn't deliver out in the middle of the atlantic ocean unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) that kind of stuff it's the lifestyle or like when you just when you are done for the night but you have a roommate and you're sleeping three feet above you like it is it's (laughs) It's that kind of stuff. And the stuff I knew about and I knew would bother me, but it's it's that. Like for me, it was never the job. It was never my team. Like I loved what I was doing. It's just that even in the off time, you're not off. So so that that was hard. But no, I'm so glad I did it. I've wanted to do it forever. And I had such a great time. I lucked out. I got to do most everything I wanted to do. Oh yeah, that sounds... Well, and with ABD, tell us how that how it works because you it's not like Disney Cruise Line where you're out for a six-month contract. It, it's a little bit different. Do you, can you give our audience just an idea about how it works as far as like when you're on, when you're off, that sort of a thing? I'm sure my understanding of this will change as I learn more. But currently, as I understand it, um, it's mostly summer. I'm it, They're moving more into other stuff, even with what they just announced with like the more smaller ship voyages for 2025. Uh, And with their 2024 stuff right now, they're moving more towards off season stuff. But right now the main ABD season is summer. So we're only required to be available for like May through September. And in my mind, that is the time to go off and do whatever you want. Like, I don't mind. I have like missing anything during that time. I don't know if anyone has been to Washington, D.C. in the summer, but it's miserable. It's so hot. (laughs) Other than 4th of July on the National Mall, I'm fine missing a D.C. summer. (laughs) We we used to live there, so I know exactly what you mean. I went to college in Baltimore. I went to law school in D.C. And I will tell you, my freshman year of college in Baltimore, I had no air conditioning in my dorm room. It was awful. It was like, (laughs) so like, thankfully, I mean, we arrived at the end of, August, 
the yeah. worst time of year. So like the first like month of school or month of living in the dorms is just disgusting. Like so oh, gross. No. And then the, of course the, and then if you're there over the summer, it's terrible as well. So yeah, but that, I mean, I grew up in New York, so similar, but it's yeah. Icky, icky, humid, warm, disgusting summer. So excellent choice, I think. And I think with and my impression with even the some of like the holiday uh, trips, at least from the guides that we had is they they were all going home to their families after the you know, they were on a, a week long ABD river cruise and then they were going home. And so they were sort of off and on, you know, they might be, you know, working uh, a week or two weeks and then they get to go home and, and then go back out and, you know, maybe a month later or something. So it's not a, a continuous job, except maybe during that summer season. Yeah. And even during the summer, we were told that like, if it makes more sense to fly you home, like if you have like a three or four day break between itineraries, just the way they're scheduled, they're they're going to fly you home, especially if that flight is cheaper than three nights in a hotel. And you would obviously want that time to go home too. Like they fly you home. But yeah, the working hours on the, the trips, I'm not. That, that will probably be more than cruise line. It's a different kind of work. I'm looking forward to learning more about that. And like, Exactly. Like I know the gist of what I'll be doing, but I'm sure there's just so much I don't even know yet. But I'm excited for the like consistency almost and or just like the the time spent with the whole group and getting to cultivate that group connection. I'm really excited for that. I'm excited to really get to know these places very well so I can act as like a concierge for whatever city or country we're in and to be able to recommend things to people. And they they don't put you in a different itinerary each week. Like usually you're doing... A, you could maybe do like three or four and be doing different stuff in the summer. But for the most part, like you're on this one itinerary. So you get to know it really well, especially for the first year or two. So I'm excited to really dive into whatever itinerary I have and get to know it so well. Whereas on cruise line, people would ask like, oh, what do you recommend doing here? Like, I have no idea. I've never been here. And <laughs> I won't ever again. <laughs> some I have very strong opinions about, but some, nah, I don't know. But yeah. Well, actually, going to that, I think that would be great. If Do you have some recommendations from your time over in Europe this past summer in, in telling us what excursions you either got to do that you would recommend or excursions that you heard really good feedback about? Um, and I'm not going to limit you on ports. So whichever ones you heard about, because, uh, you know, the dream's going back to Europe. The My prediction is that the fantasy is going to Europe the year after. They have, that hasn't been announced by Disney, I don't think, yet, but it's clear from when the, how the schedules look before the summer or before the, uh, yeah, before the summer. It's very obvious to me based on the timing that it has to be the fantasy going. It can't be the dream because dreams itineraries go uh, into the time when the transatlantic crossing would be. Interesting. So, yeah. So um, this is, we we sort of noodled this out when the last itinerary release came out. We ha- don't have obviously summer 2025 yet, but I know that should be coming out in probably in the, you know, either probably February or March or something. But in the next couple of months, I'm hoping that we'll see summer itineraries. But yeah, Disney's going to be going back to a lot of these ports, re- whether it's with the dream, the fantasy or another ship, frankly. Um, I'd love, yeah, I'd love to some advice if you have for our listeners on some great port excursions. Yeah. One thing. So I listened, I'm a huge, I was, I was listening to hear things about myself, which I did. I'm very happy whenever your guests give me a shout out. 
But I did listen to all of your episodes or close to all of them where people were on on the dream in, in Europe. And a lot of what I noticed is that there's, in which I, it's totally valid and I understand and, and like don't want to make people feel bad about it in any way is that there's such a hesitancy to go explore on your own. Like, and which is great, the trust in Disney, which is true. Like there's many port adventures that are awesome and people want to hand the reins over to Disney. And especially as someone going into ABD, like I understand that want to have and someone not else. wanting to have to plan yeah. it. Yeah. I think part of yeah. it is just like, I don't have to think about transportation. I don't have to think about, you know, getting a tour guide, all, all the things. But you're right. There is definitely a hesitancy. Part of that, I think, is also about like the missing the ship thing, which I know is like, if you're smart, you're not going to miss the ship. But it's still something that I'll be honest, I personally get nervous about even as an experienced cruiser. But yeah, I think there are some cities and this is the hard part. It's hard to know, I guess. But there are some cities that a port adventure, you're going to walk by so many things and be like, oh, I want to go there. I want to go there. But there's a schedule to keep. But then there's some cities where like the port adventure probably is the best way to go. And it's hard because you can't really know that until you've been there or um, unless you are really talking to someone who has been to those places as well. But for example, Reykjavik um, in Iceland, I had been, I did a week long trip in Iceland with one of my best friends like a year before like during my first vacation from cruise line, but a year before we were back there. And so I'd already been, I'd been all over the place. I had seen all the things that any port adventure could go to from Reykjavik. And I actually had friends sailing on that cruise. And I advised them like, you guys should just rent a car. There are four main things or however many you want to see that you should see and just do it yourself because you're just going to be shuffled from place to place because you don't have the full time to settle into that place. So you might as well just pick the one or two things that you know you want to see and go do it yourself. But then on the other hand, if you were in Akureyri, I think that's how you say it. I wasn't able to get off of that one. But then like Northern Iceland one, you probably couldn't do that as easily. But it, it's nuanced and it's difficult to know fully what to do. But I guess I can say the ones I recommend did support adventure. It's Reykjavik, rent a car. It's not hard to drive in Iceland. It's so easy. I drove there for a week. Um, very doable. You and they drive to- on the right side of the road. So yeah, yeah. It's, I would. I don't think I would drive if it was on the left. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but you can go to Blue Lagoon. You can get your own tickets. You can go to the different waterfalls. They all have different Icelandic names that end in Foss, which means waterfall. And you can go. <laughs> to geyser which is incredible i love geyser and that's a great day in iceland and then you can spend the evening in a little cafe in the city you don't need a port adventure to do that people's with if i loved the long one i did and if you don't feel comfortable during your own that is the one to do like pompeii sorrento capri um if you don't feel comfortable navigating ferries and all of that do that one um but if you want to spend a little more time, you could very easily walk up to the ferry stand, buy a ticket to Capri on your own, spend as much time as you want there, look at the board, see when the times coming back are, and take one back. Like it, 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 I want to empower people to do e- either a little bit of research or like know the basics to figure it out when you get there. And like Capri, you, I, when I did it on my own, I don't think I did any research. I just knew where the ferry station was. I looked for the right time. I went, I walked around. Someone came up to me and they're like, Miss, Miss, do you want a tour? I'm like, you know what? I do. Like, what do you got? I took a tour around the island and loved it. Um, so like, 
there is a lot you can do on your own. So I don't know. It Naples, you could do it on your own. Mykonos is another one of my huge favorites. Some of the Greek ones go there, not all of them. But Mykonos is that like Mamma Mia blue doors with the white pavement. It is that. That you do not need a port of entry. A port of entry will take you away from the pretty town. But the town was it for me. Like they have this harbor and it has some of the like the touristy restaurants, touristy stores as to be expected. But as soon as you go 10 steps down any little side street, you are in a maze of all of these beautiful Greek streets with like handmade artisans at every store, like insane. It was so cool. I had some of the best coffee I've ever had in my entire life. Greek iced coffee was delicious. So Mykonos, I loved just exploring on my own. Santorini. I have thoughts about Santorini. I'm kind of a Santorini hater, but I just don't think spiritually cruise ships are meant to be there. I I don't know. Have you ever been to Santorini on a cruise ship? Uh, Not on a cruise ship. No, I have. I have been. So I've been to Mykonos and Santorini. So I did a Kentucky tour. I don't know if you're familiar with Kentucky tours. Okay. So for those who aren't familiar, it is a tour group or guided well, guided is bus tour, let's call it, really, for 18 to 35-year-olds. I did this um, right out of college before starting law school. I spent my summer in Europe and I did a five-week tour through Kentucky Tours. And part of the tour included this add-on, which was the Greek Isles. We actually did a ferry boat to the Greek Isles. So you were sleeping on board, but it was not like a cruise ship. There was like no, no activities, like no, it was just like where you were sleeping. So you would get back on the ship to sleep and then you would get off the, you know, the next. So we went to Mykonos, Santorini, Rhodes, Crete. I think that's, oh, and we went to Ephesus, um, Turkey. So I got to drink holy water. Where that's apparently supposedly where Mary, as in Jesus's mother, was born or died. I can't remember one or the other. Um, but there's like a spring that's supposed to be literally, it's like a natural spring. It's supposed to be holy water. And Brian and I like to joke, no, I did not burn when I drank the holy water. <laughs> being being Jewish, we just like to joke about that. But, um, but anyway, but so I, I remember Mykonos, but I'll be honest, I this was 20, 20 some years ago now. So I really don't remember. It's also the same summer I went to Disneyland Paris for like four hours. But I was running around so much. I I don't remember half of the stuff that I did, Rebecca. So yeah, I don't. So yeah, tell me about Santorini because I, like I said, I've been there, but I don't remember it. Yes. To paint a picture, it is beautiful. Like it is gorgeous. It is like the little city on top of the hill, the volcanic crater. It is a really cool place. But I didn't feel like cruise ships are meant to be there. My main like piece of evidence for that is that there's a trolley car that barely runs and it has like six cars. And that's the main way to get up the hill. Or now I remember victory. this. Yes, I remember yeah. this because one of our one of our guests that went on one of the cruises that went there and like you wait like people waited like an hour and a half just to get up or to get down unless they had a port adventure booked, right? So if you had a port adventure booked, you had like you're with a group, you still had to wait, but like you might only wait a half hour versus if you were on your own you had to buy like a ticket and you might wait forever and you hardly get to yeah, see the town then. Yeah. So with that being the only way to get up and down, I was like, this just does it didn't feel right. And like, while it's a cool place to visit, it just like there wasn't the infra- infrastructure to support a cruise ship. 
Or you could so, ride a donkey or walk through donkey poop or something. Yeah. 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 And like I did the walk <laughs> down and now I was like, never again. I was, <laughs> was like terrifying. I, I wasn't about to do the walk up, but I, I we got the cable car up relatively easily because it was like 11 a.m. Um, but I walked down and it was it was not fun. So I don't know. I became a Santorini hater, not the place in general, but just as a port. I was like, I don't it wasn't my favorite because Mykonos is amazing. And like the same thing, close to the same thing. Well, but, and some ports, some ports just have a harder time accommodating, you know, a four thousand passenger ship too. Like bringing the magic at like twenty four hundred passengers versus bringing the dream at four thousand passengers. These are two very different things. I mean, I'm, I we heard from uh, some folks that at smaller ports, sometimes there weren't enough port excursions to even accommodate the number of guests, or like the entire town was essentially overrun by the ship. I mean. Yeah, because of that. There was one in Norway where every port adventure got canceled because it was a school day and all of the tour guides were teachers. Like, it's easy to think like, oh, well, why wasn't that figured out before? And like, definitely a valid question. But it's just one of those things. It's like, okay, then why is a huge cruise ship coming to this place anyway? And so I and there are places that like Amsterdam is not letting cruise ships come after a certain point in 2024. So oh, like there is there is a movement of cities banning cruise ships for whatever reason, whether it's environmental or for the capacity of their city, or I'm sure there's some economics that's above my pay grade of like how that would contribute to it. Like there's I would look into that too when you're choosing a cruise. Just a quick search of like, does XYZ port like cruise ships? And some of the is no. And that is just a reality. Um, well, some of it is also about like the carbon footprint and that sort of stuff. I think there's, you know, some criticism, obviously, of and Disney is, is of course, better than most of the cruise lines as far as environmental stuff. But there still is an impact to the environment from from cruise ships. So we they, they can't be denied. One thing I, I'm curious about. So we hear we know, like, I'm going to pronounce this name wrong, but it, Sidicevecchia is like quite far away from Rome. And so everybody does the excursions that go to Rome. And so you're sitting in a bus for like two hours. What other ports were like that, where you the port was really far away from where most of the excursions were? I feel like that's something we don't always necessarily hear about, but you would you would probably know that from your experience. And then maybe we can talk about some of the ones where you're like docked right in the town or the city that you're going to want to tour. Yes. I'm trying to pull up my big list of all of my ports. Because one thing I will say, I want to encourage people to do their research. I had a full spreadsheet of all 40 ports we went to. I wrote down what currency they use, what language they they speak, what places to go to. I had links to stuff I wanted to do. Like if I can do it for 40, I empower you to do it for the five on the cruise that you choose. And it was fun. It was so much fun. Like researching all these places. But the ones that are far, I have it pulled up now. Livorno in Italy. That is the gateway to Florence and Pisa. I went to Pisa, loved. I would definitely recommend going once. That's not a hot take. Like many people have said, like, you don't, it's a place you go back to, but it was very cool to see. You go, you walk around to little shops, you get your picture holding to holding the tower up. Like it's a, it's a one and done, but it's like a, it's a cute, you won't regret going, but it's a one and done. Yeah. Another one is 
Piraeus to an extent in Greece. It's labeled as Athens and it's not that far. Like you can't just walk into Athens. It was like maybe a 20 minute, 30 minute drive. That's not bad at all. And there were taxis. So that one's not that bad. Some like you're a little far away, but like it's a 10 minute walk. So I, I won't mention those. Le Havre is the other big one. Oh, that's the Paris one that quote unquote Paris, yeah. um, where you're going to go to Disneyland Paris, but you're going to spend a two hour bus ride there and back. Exactly. But also La Havre itself, it, there wasn't much there. I got my hair cut that day. That was about it. About it. That was difficult. I took a little bit of French. No, I took a lot of French, but I retained a little bit of French. <laughs> um, but I, I somehow got my hair cut and it looked awesome. But that is that is Paris, La Havre, um, very far. And then a lot of the Northern European ones, you're there, except for Stockholm. Um, Stockholm was Nynasham, I think is how you say it. And that one was hard. That That's like an hour into Stockholm. If you had better luck and timing than I did, there were uh, hop-on, hop-off buses parked outside of the ship. And once again, if you had walked onto that bus within five minutes of it leaving, that would have been awesome. I sat there for like 40 minutes, but you pay and it just brings you to Stockholm. You could ride around if you want and it brings you back. So like there are ways to do that without a port adventure, but that one, it is, that one's far and you're in the middle of nowhere. Zabruge is another weird one. That's Belgium. It's supposed to be Bruges. Like that's the next city right, close the big city, to yeah. And you were far away from the city of Zabruge too. That one was really hard. But then once you got to Bruges, it's an awesome place. Those are the main ones, honestly, that like it's random port cities that are close to a big city. That Once again, with planning, that's the one, the, there are places cruises go. So there is usually some infrastructure to support because many people don't choose port adventures. So like there are still ways to get around. And if you're nervous about missing the ship, which is totally valid, you you change the all aboard time in your mind to two hours early and then you're not going to miss it. But also like I have some sympathy, but very little, like a quick search would tell you that Shavita Vecchia is far from far Rome. From, yep, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think this is, these are, this is super helpful though, because I do, there's a range, right? There's some that are two hours away, like Le Havre and Paris and, you know, an hour and a half away, like Rome and sort of, what the, whatever, however you say that, <laughs> very difficult city name. And then there's ones that are like 20 or 30 minutes, which really isn't that bad. And if there are shuttles or some other way, means of transportation, relatively simple. What were some of the your favorites where you were basically docked right at the either the middle of the town or middle of the city or, you know, right there within, you know, steps to the city? Yeah, the best was Lisbon. Ooh, like yeah. you are right there. And you could see it from the ship. It was gorgeous. It was the second port we went to ever. The first was Ponta Delgada in the Azores, which is an island off of Portugal. But then our first like mainland stop was Lisbon. And Lisbon's a cool city that is up there on my top of my list of places I want to go back to. But you're right there. You cross the street. There is like a little hill if you really want to get up to like the viewpoints and all of that. But there's also not a hill if you just go to the left. And there's a big plaza. I forget the name of it. But if you if it, it is like the plaza of Lisbon, which you could see um, coming in, that was a beautiful sailing into as well. I was super random, but I got like scheduled wrong. So I was up an hour earlier than I needed to be, which ended up being awesome because I just stood with my coffee for an hour on deck four and watched us sail into Lisbon. And we went under a bridge. You could see the plaza from the water. It was 
gorgeous. So Lisbon is, the, especially with it being a big city that we're the closest to, amazing. I loved, loved, loved Lisbon. Cannes was another good one as well in France. You have to take a tender and tender boats was a whole thing as well. But tendering aside, you're right there, which was really fun. Mykonos, kind of. You had to take a water ferry, but it was free. And I love a free boat ride personally. So I I quite liked that. Where else were you super close? It, sometimes we were close in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Depending upon um, which port you were at. Yeah. One of them was far away in the middle of nowhere. But I rode from there on a bike. So when I did the bike ride, it was the further away one. Oh, God. It was like a 20 minute ride. Like it's still not even that far. And I felt like a local, like everyone in Copenhagen rides their bikes everywhere. So that was really fun. And I will respond because I see it on my list right now. A lot of your guests did not like Kiel in Germany. And I agree. (laughs) (laughs) There's not much to do there. I don't know why we stopped. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, sometimes Disney has to learn from whether or not these ports can actually accommodate. And I think as we, you know, mentioned earlier on in the show, this was the dream's first time to, you know, to Europe or at least, you you know, since she was built, basically. Um, And so this was her first season doing, you know, the European season. And there's it's a there's it's a different ship, as you mentioned, different than the magic in size. It's different in that the cast and crew were really hadn't been over in Europe. They'd been doing, as you mentioned, the Nassau Castaway Express for for many, many years. And so that, that certainly is a big adjustment. So Rebecca, we've got to wrap things up here, um, but I would love to know, is, is there anything that we, uh, we didn't cover that was either maybe a, the highlight or a low light on this European season or on your last contract? You obviously did Marvel Day at Sea on this on this contract as well um, because it was be- that that season as well. But yeah, any any highlights or low lights you haven't really touched on? It, and I'm not even just saying this because I'm back on your podcast, but it was truly so nice whenever any of your listeners would come up to me and say hello. It really did, like, it made me feel so good just being able to talk to people. Or that that was the gateway into a conversation too. And if I was better at names, which I am not, and that is the number one thing I'm working on before starting ABD because I'm so bad at names. I know faces so well, but I'm so bad with names. If I was good with names, I could list the people I talked to, but I know their faces. Um, but there were so many of your guests who like, I got to know really, really well. Um, so it was so nice um, just to have that connection point too. And especially when the most frequent way of meeting them was the Art of the Theme Show Tour, because that's one of my favorite things to do. And I did it a lot. And with the type of activity it is, I feel like a lot of people who enjoy Art of the Theme Show also listen to your podcast as well. Just <laughs> It's just so Disney Cruise Line, you know? Um, so like people would talk to me after that about like, either like listening to your show, of course, and just all of their other Disney Cruise Line adventures. So getting to know all of the guests throughout Europe was so, so cool. And like hearing everyone's stories, either with the transatlantic and how they do it every year, or just the different trips they did that day in port, like really getting to talk to the guests was just, it hit different in Europe, because it was there was just that extra excitement there. So very grateful for anyone who said hi and anyone I got to know. And maybe I'll see you on an AVD trip. I know I talked to someone about that too, of how they want to do an AVD. So yeah, there you go. 
again. Well, we always say like, I feel like Disney Cruise Line is certainly the gateway to adventures by Disney. I'm not sure that there are that many people who do adventures by Disney without having done a Disney cruise. I actually think that's where a lot of people learn about adventures by Disney. And I will say this is from the ads on the TV. <laughs> <It's> from, <laughs> like it, it literally, because you don't see, like we, I don't see advertisements for adventures by Disney, like on regular TV at home, right? I see advertisements for adventures by Disney two places. The TV in my room at the Riviera or Aulani or or Disneyland Hotel or you know whatever it's on on the, that and it's like those rolling um, advertisements or the same advertisements but while I'm on Disney Cruise Line so they're definitely targeting Disney people it's definitely that, that's certainly the market well. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me. I am really hopeful that we will get to be on an adventure by Disney with you in the future as one of our adventure guides. Really looking forward to following your adventures. Why don't you tell people how they can follow you? Because I know you are on the gram and um, I feel like people will love to follow your adventures that way. As of right now, it is DC to Disney, as in Washington, DC to Disney. I created that five years ago for my college program. It may or may not say the same. If you don't find that, it's because I changed it to Adventure Guide Rebecca. I'm not sure because all the Adventure Guides have Adventure Guide Instagrams. So I may change it, but I DC to Disney is like so so me. So one of those yeah. is on Instagram. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, if you're following her right away, then follow her at DC to Disney and then it will just change. Her name will just change at some point, probably. Exactly. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will be following your adventures. As I mentioned, Rebecca, we're so happy and thankful that you agreed to come on the show. We wish you the best of luck in your new role as adventure guide, Rebecca, and uh, hope that you'll be able to come and visit us and talk with us about some of your adventures once you're once you're doing that gig yes it'd be so fun thank you so much for having me again well a big thank you to all of you out there for listening this week we really really appreciate it please be sure to subscribe to the podcast you can keep getting great content from the dcl duo each week we'd also love it if you'd head over to apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you hit those five stars that's great if you leave us a written review along with a five-star review we will be sure to read it on the air at the end of one of our main episodes if you're hovering over anything less than five stars we really want you to reach out to us so we can take your feedback best way to do that head to dclduo.com to find find all the ways to connect with us. It links to our podcast, our vlog, our blog, has all the ways you can connect with us on social media, has our Etsy store where you can find our fun beach bags and magnets that we designed as enthusiasts of each of the Disney Cruise Line ships, has a link off to our Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, we really truly appreciate each and every one of our Patreons for helping to support the show each and every month, has a link off to our show sponsor, My Path Unwinding, where you can get more information about booking a fabulous vacation, which also really helps to support our show. All the things are there, including a way you can sign up to be a guest on the show if you'd like to share your Disney Cruise Line experience. Most importantly, you can always email us at dclduo at gmail.com if you'd like to connect with us, or you can call our voicemail line if you'd like to leave us a message. We love to include the voices of our listeners in our show. Just dial 402-413-5590. That's 402 402- 
413-5590, and that will head straight to our Google Voice voicemail line. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent or the great folks over at My Path Unwinding Travel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with a DCL duo. Good night. Good night.